When God created the angelic entity called Lucifer, he was the greatest of his creation at that time. He was the ultimate. He sealed up the sum of beauty and perfection. He was the anointed cherub that covers. He was the greatest of God's creation. But when he fell, he became the gruesome entity that we call Satan. We talked about what Lucifer was like in the last podcast, but what is Satan like now? Why does Satan fall? What are his characteristics? What's his personality? And how can we know it? We'll talk about these topics on this week's episode of the Faith by Reason podcast. Welcome to the podcast. The website behind it all is faithbyreason.net. ton of great information there, blogs, podcasts, social media links. So please check it out. And we are obviously still on our topic, our, our series, um, yes, that mirrors a series on the blog called Know Your Enemy, which is really about uh, Satan and the fallen angels. And we are starting off with Satan, and we will get to the fallen angels in, in a couple of podcasts. But we want to concentrate on the chief fallen angel, the entity that we know as the devil and Satan. And in the last podcast, we looked at what he was like before he was Satan, when he was Lucifer, the light bearer. And as I said in the, in the preamble, he was the seal of perfection. He was God's greatest creation to that time. He was perfect. In other words, he was complete. Perfect doesn't mean he was flawless. Obviously, he had a flaw, which is why he fell. But perfection means he was complete. He had everything going for him. He was the anointed cherub that covers, which means he was God's chief angel. He was in charge of all the other angels. And that's what he was like before he fell. And we went into that in detail. And you can uh, listen to the last podcast to to get some details on what he was like. But of course, he fell. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about a little more about why he fell and what he's like now. And we touched a bit on why he fell when we looked at the Isaiah 14. And it talks about the the I wills. When Satan says um, in Isaiah 14, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Um, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So there's a misnomer that Satan wanted to be God, that the reason that Lucifer fell and became Satan was because he wanted to be God. Well, that's not entirely true. He he couldn't be God, and he knew that. Satan, he was, Lucifer was not stupid. He wasn't dumb. He didn't he didn't think he could become God. He can't. You can't be the first cause if the first cause created you. He wasn't completely insane. Although it can be argued that that he went insane a bit later, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But at the time, he knew he couldn't be God. In fact, his the I wills don't say I will be God. He says I will be like the Most High. I will be like God. So what made him want to be like God? Well, again, as I talked about a bit in the last podcast, if you look at those I will statements, all of those things that he aspires to in his I wills are all things that are the ultimate destiny, God's God-ordained destiny for man. Man will ascend into heaven. We are on earth now. We will a redeemed man will ascend into heaven. Man will be exalted above the the will have a throne above the stars of God, the stars being an idiom for the angelic beings. It, and the Bible is very clear that um, that we will rule over angels because as a bride of Christ, we will be one with Christ, meaning we'll be one with the Godhead. So we will be, have that ultimate uh, destiny. Um, he said, I will sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. That means the mount of congregation was God's holy mountain where his ultimate angels uh, were and um, the angels that, that uh, helped him uh, govern. And we talked about that well, way back in the series on, on Adam and Eve and in Eden. And again, that's something that man will 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 um, will have in his ultimate destiny. He said, "He will ascend uh, ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High." And again, these are all 
things that are the destiny, God's ultimate destiny, God's plan. And you can go back to the um, the series and the podcast on the meaning of life and God's plan to to um, delve deeper into that. But the bottom line is God's plan is for us to be us man to be like him. So all the things that Satan wants to be are things that God has destined for man. So then it would stand to reason that Satan's goal was not to usurp God's throne. He can't do that. His destiny, his his goal, not his destiny, excuse me, his goal, his aspiration was to usurp the authority that God was planning for men. So Satan is not God's enemy per se. Yes, he does oppose God's plan, but he's he's our enemy. He's the enemy of mankind. And yes, he, he usurps God's plan to the extent that God's plan is for man to you know, be one with God and to rule God. So, so in that is, in that sense, he's 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 God's technical enemy, but he's God's theoretical enemy. Excuse me, but technically he is man's enemy because he wants what we had, and that's what we aspire to. And I believe that his his fall was obviously it was based on pride. Um, um, Ezekiel 28 and, and, and Isaiah 14 both make it clear that uh, pride is what caused his fall that uh, what was he proud of in order to be prideful that means that you think you're better you, you're, you're a comparative thinker you're comparing yourself to someone else you think you're better than someone else and I think that someone else he felt he was better than was men us you and me men and women my supposition and again this is not stated verbatim in the Bible but I think if you connect the dots it's, you can put, come up with a likely scenario, which I, I kind of do in a, in a sort of a humorous uh, way in the, the blog post uh, called To Rival the, the Devil, which um, you will see in the show notes. Well, I think that God probably told Satan, hey, you know what? I'm going to make man. I'm going to make man and I'm going to make man lower than you He's initially because it says the man was created a little lower than the angels, but his ultimate destiny is to come to my throne to rule with me. And I don't think Lucifer could deal with that. Lucifer had, he had pride because of, of his attributes. Ezekiel 28 says that he was lifted, he was lifted up in pride because of his beauty, because of his splendor, because of how spectacular he was. And so he thought, well, if I'm so great, how can you make this creature called man that's going to be less than me rule over me? I think he just couldn't deal with that. And he decided that he would rather try to usurp God's plan than be a part of it. He could not bring himself to be subservient to these creatures called man that never, that he felt were beneath him. So that pride caused him to fall. And every interaction or every everything that Satan has done since then has been to bring mankind down. He doesn't Satan doesn't fight God. I mean, that would be ridiculous. He, he can't win. He knows that. He fights man. Everything Satan does is not to harm God directly. It, it's to harm man and to keep us from our destiny. And the very first thing he did to it was was to precipitate the fall and original sin. And again, we, you can go back to the podcast on on original sin on the the serpent, the, the Nahash, which is the shining one, which is a title for Satan. Satan didn't lose his luster. When he when he fell from grace, he still can appear as an angel of light. Paul says that pretty clearly that Satan can't transform himself into an angel of light, so he can still mimic his uh, previous his previous visage as this angel of light. And so he was a shining one, the Nakash, and he he tempted Eve, and she she ate the forbidden fruit. Then Adam did, and then original sin happened again. You can go to the podcast to to look at the 
at, at what happened there and, and, and the that entire narrative. But the point is that Satan's first act once he was dethroned, once he was kicked out of heaven, was to start corrupting men. He never his goals haven't changed. So let's talk a little bit about what Satan is like now. We talked about what he was like before when he was Lucifer. So let's just, let's kind of dive in and talk about what he's like now. What are his characteristics? What are his attributes? Well, one of the first attributes, and again, there's I will um, I'm going to have a link in the show notes to the blog post I do on this, where you know it's going to go into detail about um, some of Satan's main attributes. So I'll hit on a few of them, then uh, a few of them here pretty quickly. One of them is uh, Satan's a liar. That's a huge thing. Jesus himself says that Satan is a is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Satan is incapable of telling the truth. Now, to understand that, we need to know what truth is. Truth is not just facts. Satan can state facts, but he but he can't state truth. So that means there must be a difference between truth and facts. Because a fact it doesn't necessarily mean it's completely truthful. I'll give you an example. Let's say that uh, you have a coworker who or, or a friend who accuses you of something that you didn't do. Well, that's a lie. But, but what if someone comes to you and says, hey, this person over here, your friend or coworker, accused you of doing this thing you didn't do. Well, that statement that the person made is a true statement. Your your friend or coworker did accuse you of something, but what they accused you of wasn't didn't really happen. So it's a lie. So you can state a fact that's not necessarily leading to the truth. I can say, hey, so and so said this about you, and it's true. This so and so did say this about you, but what that what that person said about you isn't true. So that can't be truth, even though it's a fact. The fact that I'm telling you that someone said something doesn't mean that the thing the person said is true. So it can't just be stating facts because Satan can state facts. Without the Bible, he, he'll state a fact, but it's not truth. Truth has to be something a little deeper. And truth, if you want the, the non-contradictory objective definition of truth, truth are facts that are good. And we know what goodness is. We, we did a series on good and evil. Good is that which creates. So if we break it down, truth is facts that create, facts that lead to good, that lead to creation. Satan can't speak that. Satan cannot speak any fact that's going to lead to good or lead to the creation of goodness or, or lead to any creation whatsoever. Satan can't create. Satan can't bring life. And that's kind of a big thing to keep in mind when you get to Revelation, which I'm still in, in on, the, on the blog, the, on the blog post right now, we've been talking about um, uh, revelation and the judgments there. And one of the things that Satan will, what will do in, in that period of time, um, in the uh, the tribulation period, is he and his antichrist, he, he will he will allegedly bring the antichrist back to life. Well, we, that has to be a farce because Satan can't create life. But anyway, you can you can read the blog post. I, I have a whole series on the antichrist, and you can go there if you're interested. Anyway, Satan cannot speak truth. He cannot create. So anything that Satan says, even if it's a fact, it's not truth. So Satan is is a liar. So we, we know that. Okay, and, and we also know that, that Satan is a deceiver. And that goes kind of hand in hand with the whole lying part. But the deception is a little different. Uh, being a liar means you, you're misrepresenting truth. But a deceive, to, be de- to deceive someone means you're, you're using craftiness. You're using wisdom. Basically, Satan is a perversion of what he was when he was Lucifer. So as Lucifer, he he represented God. He was God. He was an, he was an image bearer of God, and God is truth. And Satan obviously has no truth in him. Um, he was also full of wisdom. Ezekiel twenty eight says he was full of wisdom, but that wisdom came from God. He no longer has that God given wisdom. So what he has is a twist on wisdom, which is craftiness that makes him a deceiver. Um, 
you know, Eve said herself that, you know, the state, the serpent, the Nakash deceived me and I ate of the fruit. So he, he's a liar and he's a deceiver. He use he twists wisdom. He's very tricky. He's very, obviously he's, he's intelligent and he uses his wisdom in, 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 uh, in, in, a, in a sense to, to trick you and be deceptive and be seductive. That's why we should, whenever we engage Satan, we just stand up to him using the word of God. When Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus didn't get into a conversation with Satan. Jesus just quoted the Bible, the truth, which Satan could not come against. So when you are dealing with Satan, don't try to get into an argument with him. No, don't try to get into some kind of philosophical debate. What you do is you quote truth of the Bible and then you, you leave it there. He can't do anything with truth. We also know that Satan is vain. He That vanity did not go away. He, he was prideful. He was comparative. He believed that that because he was so beautiful and so desirable that that he he should be worshipped and he still has that desire today satan wants to be worshipped he wants he told jesus he of all things he he he's so insanely vain that he told jesus that he would give him all the kingdoms of the world if jesus would fall down and worship him i mean that's how if only vanity pushed to the point of insanity could actually demand worship from your creator but that's that's where he is. So that's another thing. Satan is not, I don't think he's, he's not sane anymore. Because again, he does not have any new knowledge. Satan does not have free will. He, he that's something he has in common with God. God doesn't have free will. And I know if you, if that seems sacrilegious to you, then please go to the, the blog and the podcast on the nature of man. The thing that makes man unique in the universe is that man has free will. Free will does not mean the ability to think freely what it means is the ability to act outside of your nature that's what free will is god doesn't have free will because god cannot act outside of his nature satan doesn't have free will because satan cannot act outside of his nature we man we have free will because we can choose to act outside of our nature our nature is to be not always a completely right and just like god but we can choose to be right and just under in under certain circumstances so we can we can choose to be like god in a limited basis because we can't do it completely but we can choose to do it on occasion which is why which is the only way we could actually be saved and we'll talk about that when we get to salvation so yeah so satan um he doesn't have free will and i and because he's cut off many new knowledge he can't form new knowledge i think everything about him is twisted into total insanity he has no rationality um i mentioned he's a liar already um he's also an imitator satan's loves to imitate God. He wants to be like the Most High. Remember, all the things that Satan has said he wants to be, they haven't changed. Satan cannot change his mind. He cannot change who he is. He cannot change his nature. He does not have free will. He is always going to do and pursue the same things always. His goals have not changed. His method of operation have not changed. I think we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. He is who he is. And the good news is that since we know what he is and who he is and what he wants, then we can anticipate it. So we shouldn't be surprised by the way he attacks us. I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, he will always attack you in the same way. And at that place you always fall when you say, oh, I can't believe I did that again. That's because that's your weak point and Satan knows it. And if you know where your weakness is, then you can prepare your defense and you can be and prepare you. And you can say, you know what? I know I always fall or I always slip up in this area. Well, then take the steps necessary to fortify your life in that area where you're always slipping up so that he can't tempt you in that area anymore. And if he can no longer tempt you in that area, then he has lost that power over you. So as I said, he's an imitator. He wants to imitate God. He wants to be worshipped like God. He is going to 
say things. He's not going to tell you things. He's not going to tempt you in a way that you know is blatantly wrong. He's going to tempt you in a way that seems right. Again, look at the temptations of Jesus. Everything that Satan tempted him to do seems okay. You know, hey, Jesus, you're hungry. Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? That doesn't seem like a bad thing, does it? I mean, he's hungry. He has the power of God. Why doesn't he just, if he turn these, rock, turn these rocks into bread? Or he tells Jesus, hey, you know what? Look, if you, 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 you want to have the world, right? You came here to reclaim the world. Well, you don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to be tortured, you know, or do any of that stuff. Just all you do is worship me and I'll give you the world. Well, that doesn't sound like a bad deal. You know, he, Jesus wanted the world. He wanted to claim the world. Satan offered it to him. But again, he did it in a deceptive way. So Satan is not going to tempt you to do anything that's outlandishly bad that you don't want to do. He's going to attempt you to do something that you want or something that seems appealing, but the way that if you follow it, it leads to destruction. If Jesus had turned the stones to bread, he would have acted outside of the will of God because God didn't tell him to do that. If he had fallen down and worshiped Satan to get the world, well, again, he would have been, even though it would have been something that he, he would have fulfilled what he quote unquote wanted, which is to claim the world, it would have been in a way that would have obviously been destructive because it would have meant worshiping the devil. So that's what he does. He imitates God. He, he imitates goodness. Every, what Satan tempts you to do seems good on the surface, but it always leads to destruction. You have, you have to look at the long term. Remember the definitions of good and evil. Good is what creates in the long term. Evil is what destroys in the long term. So you have to look at the long term. So if something is good in the short term, but it's destructive in the long term, it's evil. If something seems destructive in the short term, but the long term result is good, then it's going to be good. So look at the long term whenever you're dealing with Satan. And lastly, um, Satan is full of wrath. Uh, the Bible makes that very clear is that he has a wrath. He is, you know, he's extremely angry because of his position. He knows that, you know, his time is short and he, his ultimate destiny is to fail. And, you know, we're talking about that in Revelation right now on, on, in the blog post. But he, he always comes in slowly, seductively. But if you resist him, you will find out what that wrath is like. In fact, um, one thing that uh, Chuck Missler, the late Chuck Missler would always say is that if you don't believe the devil exists, just try opposing him for a, a little bit. Because Satan's tactic is, number one, he's going to try to subtly deceive you and get you on the wrong path. But if you resist that, his next, his next way of, of dealing with you is intimidation. And that's where the wrath comes in. So Satan is wrathful. So those are, are some of the things that Satan is. He's, he's other stuff too. He has other attributes that we'll probably be talking about before we end this series. But he is a liar. He is vain. He is full of wrath. He is deceptive. He is an imitator. He is insane. He has no free will. He cannot change. And something that we'll talk about probably in the next podcast is, or maybe in this one if I have time, is that he is the legal, he, well, he was rather, the, the legal owner of the earth. Adam gave that up to him when he was tempted. And actually, we'll talk about that in, in, the, in the next podcast. In this podcast, I want to wrap things up by talking about something else that is a part of Satan's nature, his identity now, that you don't hear very much in, in churches. I think some of the things I just said about him, you've probably heard before. You know, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's wrathful. He's vain. All this stuff is probably not unfamiliar to you. I'm sure you've probably, if you've done any study on Satan, if you've heard any sermons on Satan, then you've heard some or all of, the, of those same attributes. But here's one that's actually pretty interesting. And that is what, that is Satan is 
in my opinion, and I think the Bible supports it, Satan is the quote-unquote God of death. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, don't confuse that with the angel of death who um, was talked about in Exodus during the, the final plague, the plague, plague where the firstborn were were killed and got sent the angel of, of death. That's a whole different entity. When I say Satan's the god of death, is because death is something that Satan was given a certain amount of authority over, which Jesus claimed from him. You know, he, he came he, he claimed the the keys to, to death and hell after the crucifixion. So but how does Satan take on this role, this why was he given the role of the God of death? Well look at the curses that were pronounced after original sin. Um, we talked about them briefly in that series, but you know, um, the man was cursed. Adam was cursed in a certain way. Mankind was Eve and female kind were cursed in a certain way. Then there's a curse on the Nakash of the serpent. One of the parts of the curse says that he will eat dust all the days of his life, which is that's one of the reasons that we know it wasn't an actual you know reptile snake that was a, it wasn't really a talking snake at the time because snakes don't eat dust. What he was saying by dust, dust is an idiom for man. Actually, man's death, because at, at death, we turn back into dust. He said, from the dust you came, from the dust you shall return. That was part of Adam's curse. And then in the same in the same verse, he says that the Nahash, the serpent, Satan, will eat dust. He will hunger for dust. So if dust represents the death of man, which it does, because just a few verses earlier in the, in the same chapter, in Genesis chapter 3, if dust represents man's death and the then Satan will want will eat dust. He will hunger for that dust. Then that means that Satan hungers for our death. He is doomed to want our death. And why is that a curse on him? It's a curse on Satan because Satan didn't just want to corrupt man. He didn't just want to take man's man's destiny. He wanted man to worship him. He wanted to he wanted to take God's place in man's life. Satan wants to worship. But the curse is this creature that you want to worship you, you all you also desire his death. And that's what Satan is, and that's what he does. No, so to understand that we have to go back and look at the definition of what death is. Death is, and we talked about this in the series on, on in the Eden series, death is is the inability to repair. On the other hand, uh, life is the ability to repair. The, the fact that we keep living is because we can keep repairing. And as long as you can repair, uh, you will keep living. Once you are unable to re repair, then you know, because all of our cells are wearing down. And if, you can re and if your body can, can repair, then you can keep living. But if your body can no longer repair that damage that's always happening, then you will you're, you'll, you know, experience organ failure of some kind and, and you will die. Um, so that's physical life according to the Bible, is in the blood. And Leviticus says that life is in the blood. Jesus says that words, obviously good words, created words that are creative or that, that bring creation, uh, bring life. Jesus said that, no, my word, my words are life. So life is blood physically and words spiritually. So good blood and good words repair and they, and they cause growth and they, they give um, the, the foundation for growth. So it would stand to reason then that death would come from um, bad words and you know uh, and, and anything else like that or, or in bad blood or curse of blood which we unfortunately are born with that will lead to to death so if you wanted an entity to die who were hungry for their death how would you do it well you would do it by making sure that they're 
corrupt blood stayed corrupt that you know that they did not have access to to pure perfect blood which we would have through which man has through jesus if they accept his sacrifice so you want to keep them away from jesus and you also want to give them words that would not lead to life and what does satan what was satan's or lucifer's a belly bailiwick when he was when he was lucifer it was songs he was all about music so isn't it interesting that one of the ways that satan tries to corrupt us is through music and i'm not going to get into a whole thing about you know rock and roll and rap music and things like that because I happen to be a fan of some of those genres, but I, I won't deny that a lot of it is very negative. And I and also I won't deny that at times I don't do it much. Now, when I was younger, I, I enjoyed listening to lyrics that were, you know, not wholesome. Uh, and again, I understand it and admit that they did not bring positivity. They absolutely did not. In fact, I know that when I was listening to, to those, um, to words and songs that had a lot of negative connotations, it didn't make me feel good. It didn't make, it didn't give me a good disposition towards other people. It was bringing me death. It was it was spiritually it was causing me to spiritually die. Now, obviously, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to be in complete spiritual death because I'm still saved. But those words were not causing growth. They were causing stagnation, and they were you know, they were actually wearing me down. They were making me less spiritually alive. And that's a, a lot of what um, Satan does with music now and in the past. So we need to keep that in mind and be very cognizant of what we're listening to. On the other hand, you know, good words, positive words, positive music leads to life, to growth. And I, I don't think it's too far-fetched. If you really think about it, when you immerse yourself in songs and movies that are negative and have um, just really downbeat messages and full of they're full of you know violence and illicit sexualization and even if you hang around people who have that type of language and, and live that type of lifestyle you're going to feel drained because your spirit is is not growing on the other hand if you are are around uplifting people who have, who give you uplifting words and uplifting music and things like that then you're going to feel but you you you, you basically more morph to your circumstances and if you are around good fruit as the bible says then you're going to reap good fruit you're going to have you're going to have good results on the other hand if you're around negativity it's going to breed negativity it's causality cause and effect whatever the causes are you around you are around or the effects will be seen in your life just to get a bit more macabre and i'm not going to spend too much time on this because it's not something i want to dwell too much on but if when you think about it Blood is very, very important to the dark side, to Satan and Satanic uh, people who people who follow Satan and Satanic ways and the demons and whatnot. If you look at things like, you know, let's take the whole the whole vampire genre, which I believe is is extremely demonic. Not necessarily the the movies and stories and TV shows per se, but the idea of vampire and vampirism is is real. There are people who who. You know, drink blood and do in, in or get into these really odd rituals but blood is always involved in conjuring so-called evil conjuring spirits which are actually demons why because there's something and i don't know exactly what it is i don't know the physiology or the spiritual the spirituality of it necessarily but life is in the blood it's pretty clear the bible says that and these rituals that involve blood are required to 
manifest these demonic entities because there is life in human and animal to a degree blood so all these um these satanic rites these rituals are always very bloody and they and why because that blood is needed to bring these to, to manifest these these demons i mean they're these, the the vampires the whole the the mythology of vampires is that they need blood to live because they're dead so these dead things need blood and demons are they're not alive in in the way we think they're a lot of them are called the the, the rephaim which means the 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 dead ones are almost the, literally the walking dead they desire uh human blood they feed on it and again it's very macabre and i'm going to spend a whole bunch of time on it but it's just something to keep in mind when you hear about some of these weird ritualistic satanic uh, ceremonies they always involve blood particularly innocent blood they want the blood of a virgin or you know it's really horrible they want the blood of, of babies because that's the most they consider the most pure and innocent blood and that's what they feed on to manifest themselves like, again i don't know how it's not my area of expertise or other um, bible teachers who specialize in demonology who i, I read them i know their work but I, I don't have the expertise to speak on it too much but I, I have studied it enough to know that it happens and it's, it is very macabre and not just you know, the blood that brings that manifests these, these demonic entities are also the words, these evil chants. Uh, I'm not going to say any of these words because I, I don't want to be, in, I, I don't want to be guilty of, of, of saying uh, the, these, these evil things on, on the air and, and maybe inadvertently you know, manifesting something that I don't want to, but there are, all of these rituals involve blood and they involve these demonic chants they're saying some type of word um russ disdar who isn't actually an expert in this kind of demon demonology if you want to look up his his um his website uh just google russ r-u-s-s uh, disdar d-i-z-d-a-r that's his specialty he talks about these things called twilight languages these are actually uh, supposedly um demonic languages that these practitioners speak at these rituals to manifest evil so it's all about death, um, death coming from evil words and the spilling of human blood. And that is what Satan, yeah, he's the God of, he is the God of death. He longs for the death, he hungers for the death of men, spiritually and physically. He wants us all dead. He wants us he, physically and spiritually, he wants us all wiped out and he wants us all to be separated from God spiritually. Those are his goals. And he has, and the problem is that he he's in opposition to himself because he wants our worship, but he also wants us destroyed. So that that um, that contradiction that he has to constantly live with and exist with is part of what's driven him completely insane. So insane that he keeps fighting, even though he knows he's going to lose. One of the most interesting parts of Revelation, and at some point, hopefully next year, I'm I'm going to do a verse by verse. Um, uh, a commentary on Revelation, which is because it's my favorite book. But one of the things about Revelation that's, that that's never was well, many things about Revelation that that don't completely make sense to me, and I, I will readily admit that um, during in, in those podcasts as, as I have on the blog post. But one of them is the whole Armageddon scenario itself. Armageddon is when the forces of evil, including Satan, try to physically make war against God. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Why on earth would you think you can turn rifles and bows and arrows and, and guns against God and kill him? Well, the only way you could think that is if you are completely insane. Satan knows he's going to lose. And if you were sane and you knew you were going to lose, then you would just you'd give up. 
but he's not. He doesn't give up. He continues to fight, even though he knows he can't win because yeah, he's he's not sane. He's completely insane, full of wrath, vain, lying, deceitful. That's who he is. So the whole purpose of this is not to bring you down. It's not to scare you. It's, it's the opposite. You're only, you're only afraid of what you don't know. The only the reason you were afraid of the dark as a kid was because you couldn't see what was happening. You didn't have any knowledge. So because you didn't have knowledge of what was happening, you were afraid. But if you do have knowledge, then you're not afraid anymore. Fear, knowledge and fear are antithetical. If you know something, then you know what to do about it. So my goal within this podcast and in in this entire series is again not to dwell too much on satan not not because i you know just to be i guess you could call it you know salaciousness not just to salaciously dwell on satan because you know evil and all that kind of stuff is is you know popular and like i said very very salacious and we'll probably get a lot of hits because again this is the this the series on satan has been the most popular on 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 the faith by reason website no, the reason that I am going over all this information with Satan is so that you know who he is, what he is, what his methodologies are, so that you can be prepared, so that you don't have to be afraid, so that you do know how he operates, and most importantly, that you know his limitations, that he is not like God. He is not all-powerful. He is not God's equivalent on the evil side. Satan is a created being. He is very limited in what he can do. He can't come up with any new ideas. All he can do is his old stuff over and over again. So again, as soon as you, once you really know how he operates and where he's going to attack you, then you have a defense and he can never break through that defense because he can't think of anything new. He has that one place he's going to attack you, that one place. And once you realize that and you put and you get your defenses in place so that he can't attack that area again, once you deal with whatever it is, that as, as making you weak in that area, be it your temper, be it sexuality, be it alcoholism, be it again any anything, gossip, whatever whatever your weakness is, find out why you're weak there. Pray to God to help you to find get to the root of it and to root it out, and then Satan has no way to attack you anymore. At least not not in. I mean, he'll, he'll turn to a, to intimidation and he'll try to intimidate you. But now that you know that he his, his intimidation is. Is impotent as he is. Satan is completely impotent if, against a Christian because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The only thing Satan can do is what we allow him to do. Remember, he couldn't make Adam and Eve eat the fruit. All he could do is tempt them. If they had said no, then guess what? Satan would have completely failed. So he could only do what we allow him to do. And the purpose of this series is that you know him well enough that you know what how he's going to come at you so that you will not fall and that you won't want to allow him to do what he wants to do all right so that is going to wrap up this podcast so i appreciate you listening um, please leave any comments or questions either preferably here on the website you can also leave them on facebook if you like and in the next podcast i think we're going to just wrap up um, a couple of the loose ends about Satan's kingdom and dominion here on earth. I touched on some of that in this podcast, but I'll just go over briefly why Satan has legal dominion um, over earth. But I, I think I'm also going to, well, not think, I'm definitely going to start talking about uh, the other demonic entities. Satan is not alone. He he has a, a, a legion of followers. Um, if, you, if Revelation 12 is, is to be seen as a... Um, a, a look back at the the fall of Satan, and it says he Satan cast a third of the of the stars to earth. If, 
And a lot of people believe that means that he a third of the angels fall, fell with him. And angels are extraordinarily numerous, meaning he has tons and tons of minions who who work with him because he's not he's not he's not like God. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. So Satan is not necessarily a person. The one tempting you is, is probably one of his other demonic entities. We're going to talk about them or begin to talk about them in the next podcast. So again, next podcast, we're going to start talking about demons and it sounds like more and more fun stuff. And again, so thank you for listening and I will talk to you next time.